Hey there. How are we doing? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me, Nancy? And I can. <laughs> welcome you can. to great. Welcome to Saturday. <laughs> yes, welcome to Saturday and today the first show of the 8-hour live show on cosmicrealityradio.com. It's the 29th of uh April. 2017. Uh, I'm your host, Nora Willow. Producing is Nancy L. Hopkins, and you are listening to Dimensional Mind Talk. And today we're going to be talking about a very interesting subject. Thank you, Nancy, for pulling up uh, or putting all the information on Cosmic Reality Radio. Um, we're going to be talking about something really, really cool um, and uh, delving into some inter- interesting questions on regarding 9/11 and what really happened from the perspective of Dr. Judy Wood. Now, I just want to say that Nancy sent me uh, a couple of days ago an interview with her uh, on the radio, and I listened to the whole radio interview, and it was extremely fascinating. And I just can't wait for us to just delve into it deeply and discuss everything that she talked about from a scientific perspective. Very, very, very interesting. So... How are you, Nancy? Tell me, what do you have anything on your mind before we start? No, no. Um, <laughs> it's a crazy world out there. I mean, you know, do you want? Do you have anything that you want to share before we get into it? It's, you know, I mean, you. I know you. You've been. Well, you're in Italy, so <laughs> you've got a different yes version yeah, of the world. Well, it's right i mean we're all living in the same sphere but definitely maybe experiencing things in a different way um you know culture and the nations you know different nations and cultures you do tend to kind of uh, experience things from a different perspective um but yeah i mean the i'm definitely fe- i i definitely do feel that timeline kind of timeline shift if you want to call it that way um there have been some powerful energies uh recently um it's not really about positive or negative, I think. I think it all depends on how we perceive it. So I'm kind of trying to look at it in a different way where it's not labeling it positive or negative, like, oh, there's a negative energy or, oh, there's a positive energy. It, it's really, I'm starting to see that it really depends on how we're getting into it, uh, whether we're getting into it with a, um objective mindset and at the same time having uh, the knowledge that we have the power to you know, manifest things the way we want to manifest them. And every day that passes, I realize more and more that everything that happens obviously happens for a reason. It sounds like a cliche. But at the same time, there are always lessons to learn uh, from from these situations. Uh, and if we gracefully accept the um, lessons and work with, work with the energies of the universe, then there will always be a, a benefit for us. If we resist it, it's always going to be di- more difficult to achieve uh, that soul contract uh, that we have made for ourselves uh, before coming here. So that's kind of a little bit my uh, view on it this past week or these past two weeks. So yeah, there have been there have been uh, just many energies. I know it sounds like we're always saying this, but it's like a it's like an onion. You have like different layers, and different things start to happen. Um, so that's kind of how. I've been experiencing um, life in this, these past two weeks. Um, a lot of positive changes, but with the positive changes, there definitely are um, what's the word tests, if we can say, uh, to test where to test where uh, we have uh, we have arrived in our journey, 
to see if we've really learned the lessons of the past experiences in order to move forward. So I'm kind of seeing that in my own personal life right now. Um, like, for example, there is a positive thing that happened, but within that positive thing, there are some strange things happening, so I need to know how to manage them. Um, yeah, so practically that's it. Uh, I think, because I, I see people on Facebook and other people on Twitter um, talking very similar things. Not specifically this, but the things that they're they are saying, the expressions that they are, um, the things that they're expressing themselves with kind of tend to, um, how can I say, uh, allude to what I'm saying. So yeah, there are a lot of changes happening, I think. I'm trying to... You know, it's it's difficult to kind of figure out how you would explain what you're feeling. You know, which is what I'm saying. It's like it, it's it's almost like there's a different world, a different reality. We know we're doing this, but now it's becoming very palatable. Um, right. It just feels different, doesn't it? I mean, that's. I mean, you're going it, through cha- you're going through changes that are going to put you in. Well, it feels different because it is different. I sit here every day doing basically the same sort of things, and yet sitting here, kind of isolated in a hermit kind of environment, I can still feel the changes. Um, I find it fascinating, but I also have had this weird thing where I suddenly. Well, like I was, I was just, I was in the kitchen or something, and all of a sudden I was back when I worked in a nursing home. I mean, it was like I had done a, a, a backward remote view. I mean, I could feel myself standing in the corridor of this facility, and the smells and the energy, and it was long enough for me to go. Whoa! What am I? What's happening here? And to focus on it, and of course, once you start focusing on it, it sort of dissipates, you know. But um, it's like we're never very far from the past. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, we we've tried to have a reading of my book, The 9/11 Crusade, which is a novel, but it's based on fact. Um, because I felt that that. This is going to rear its head again. It, it's time that we really address what really happened. Because nobody knows. If you haven't looked at the research, you don't know. You may think you know, but you don't know. You don't have a clue. That's how bad it is. There, the thing that, that, that you have to kind of focus on is something that Adolf Hitler is attributed to having said, is that if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big one. Well, 9-11 was the biggest lie I've ever even imagined telling because it, it, the, the statement that, the, that was given as explanation for what happened doesn't even make sense. You cannot exactly. in any way uh, justify that explanation. Um, we've talked about prior to this that uh, out of the so-called uh, terrorists that made the attack that were listed within three hours within three hours of the attacks by the FBI on a list how the hell did they get that information 
Yeah, they found some. Exactly. They found some car up in uh, New Hampshire from the uh, first guys that flew the Boston, first Boston plane, AEA-77. And it was not AEA-77. I don't remember the name of it now. But anyway, the plane, the first plane that hit, um, supposedly they, they found all sorts of things in the trunk of their car. But... Uh, what the hell? How could you possibly do this in three hours? Somebody's crashed. You know who they are. You know where to find their car. None of it makes sense. And they make this list, and then within pretty near days, uh, there were people saying, wait a minute, you got my picture and my name on that list, and I'm here. I'm alive. I didn't die on no plane. I'm not a terrorist. Five of them. Five on the list were proven to be alive. Okay, so the FBI made a mistake. Well, the FBI just never corrected it. You can still see those five dead people that are alive on their list. If you look at the data, if you look at the information, it's one lie after another. And yet most people, they don't even think about 9-11. They think they know what they saw. They think they know what they were told. All lies. Now... I've sucked poor Nora into this because I she's she's willing to go with me on this search for the truth of 9/11. Dr. Judy Wood. Okay. Now, when I first heard about her, Nora, it was at least 3 years before I ever paid attention to her. And I came across this story about this woman, some Dr. Wood, who was claiming that some kind of an energy field had destroyed everything, and I thought she was a crackpot. Because by that time, I had done the research, and it was my firm conviction that they had been brought down by a controlled demolition. In fact, I began the book, 9-11 Crusade, the novel, with that supposition that it was, it was a, a controlled demolition. All of the markers were there. All of the proof was there. You know, it, it looked like that's that's what happened. And then, um, and then I came across three years after I'd met, introduced to her, uh, an article about how she was suing a federal suit against the very uh, group that had certified it was the engineers. I don't know, society, some kind of an engineering thing. You know, blessed by the government that had made the incredible, bizarre decision that it had all pancaked down and that the buildings, one, the, above the fires, they start, the buildings started breaking and they just came down one on top of the other, absolutely perfectly pancaked it down. Mm. And, but in 10 seconds, you know, I mean, the, right. she, she did, she did the work, okay, and she actually did the math, cause she's an engineer. That, that's who she is. She's an engineer. She's got a degrees in engineering. So she um, says, okay, well, it seems awfully fast for a building to fall. and the, It's free fall. If you drop, drop a, uh, a bowling ball off, it's going to hit in 10 seconds at 110 floors. So because it's just gravity, it's just a pull of gravity, you know, and the pull of gravity on a, a ball would hit the ball would hit at about 80 miles per hour. That's, you know, uh, the how fast you get, at it, you know, yeah. falling. Um, the maximum. The maximum, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's the ma- it's, I forget what they call it, this 
some some term for it. Um, mm-hmm. So she did okay. So this seems impossible, but let's say what happens if ten floors fell at once that, that they were breaking in sets of ten, okay? And if she did that, it was still you know way into minutes, not <laughs> not in, not ten seconds. And then she did it all out, and the only way she could come her herself, the only way that she initially could get to the the time of ten second fall was if there was controlled demolition. Now, what would have been happening is that they would have sliced the building. They have like, you know, it's called the cutter cutter section, and what they're doing is they're cutting the pillars, the things that are holding the things above it. And everything is timed so that as the first blowout goes and you start dropping the first floors, okay, because now they're broken, they start coming down, the one below that blows. So there's never a pileup of debris on top of each other. It's timed so that with gravity pulling this stuff down, because now it doesn't have anything to sit on, the ones below it keep blowing. So nothing builds up. It just blows one after the other until they take it down. And that's why you'll see uh, pictures of building coming down. They fall flat into the ground, right, into their own footprint. Um, the other, the, the, uh, what the government said was that the buildings were falling and it was the weight of the buildings that was pushing down on it. Now, Dr. Wood finally came up with the most perfect way of explaining how this is impossible, absolutely impossible, that this would, they came down from pancaking. And that's the concept that if the floors hit the floors below it, okay, it's like a clap of your hands. There were 77 floors below the break point in the first tower. We're talking about the, um, towers, the South Tower, Tower 2, the second building hit. When 77 floors. So you've got to be able to clap your hand 77 times to get to 10 seconds. In 10 seconds, you can't do it. So if you can't clap your hand 77 times in 10 seconds, how the heck did this pancaking thing occur? It didn't. And there's no way that a sane person can accept that as being the the answer. Right. Now, I didn't know anything about Dr. Wood's real theory about direct energy beams being what took him down. Um, at the time that, that I heard she was doing, she, I said, anybody that can get a federal case up against these people, I was impressed with to begin with. So I went back and I looked at her information. Now, what we're going to do here is I, I put a, and I'm going to do it again just in case I don't know what chat's doing. Oh, I'm still up. Okay, nobody's chatting. <laughs> we don't have any people here tonight, but that's okay. Um, there's uh, You go to CosmicReality.com, and the tab on the far right says blogs, books and blogs. Hit on that, and there's uh, under that's blog. If you hit on blog, you're going to see the first blog is about Dr. Wood. If you click on that, you're going to be able to see the pictures that I'm about to talk about. Now, the first picture that you see is a picture of Dr. Wood. And like I say, she, um, okay, her story is, is that she was a known engineer. And there was a group of people, um, 
after 9-11 that were engineers that came together to really assess what might have happened. And my interpretation of what went on during that is that she began to believe that this group was actually um, designed to put out disinformation. She was disagreeing with what they were saying in the group. So she kind of broke off on her own and began to investigate it by herself. Now, she was a teacher uh, of graduate students, and one of the graduate students at the university she was teaching at got interested, and so he was working with her. And he went back home for in Chicago, I believe it was, and was at dinner with his mom and uh, sister, and they walked outside the restaurant, and somebody walked up and put a bullet in his head. That terrified her. It was a warning to her, okay? But she didn't back off. What she did was said, you sons of... and began to take every piece of information, all the research she had, and she threw it on the Internet. Now, that's when I came into it. Why why get into this website? And, Nora, it was... It was terrible because you didn't know where you were going. There was, you know, she just, she didn't care about how it was going to read. She just wanted the information up there. Yeah, she just threw it all out. Just threw yeah. it out there. And um, it was difficult to go through what she was saying because so much of it was, um, and what what's, what's this and what's this and what's this and what's this? And you're going like, I don't know, what is it, you know? Uh, because she she was not yet into understanding what had happened. She was into understanding the bizarre, weird physics that was happening. That's what she was studying. And so um, it's only later that she meets John Hutchinson and figures out what actually happened. But when I first got into it, it was like, oh, my God, what, what the hell happened? So if you look at the first picture, I, I hope you're on, you got, got the... Uh, the blog up, uh, Nora? Yes. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah, look at that first picture, okay, that's what happened to 110 tower, 10 story towers had been sitting in that hole. Where'd it go? That is, I mean, exactly. It seems like it just vanished. There is no debris. I mean, you can see a little bit of debris, but where did the rest go? Where'd it go? It, it, it's like it turned into dust and just fell on, uh, on the base. Where's the debris? That's the part that fascinated me so much in her, in her theory, which I think she calls a dustification. Is that the term yes. she used? Yes. Well, if you, if you look at the picture, okay, you can see what is probably uh, well, you see the shadows on the left left side going sort of like down the street thing, okay? Mm-hmm. But that's shadows from the building. Then there's a shadow in the, the building itself. You, you can see where the shadows are. So the sun is off to the right. And then you can yes. see what looks like another shadow. But in fact, I believe that is um, shadow and partially um, the, hole. the hole. I think that's what that is. But the fact of the rema- the fact remains that that was all that was rem- that that was there after two 110 story towers fell. It 
if it had been the pancaking thing the government talked about, one-third of the building should have been standing. Okay, it's not right. there. Now, underneath it, there's a... Um, see, see what, what, what they had to do when they built the towers, they had to biggest, dig a huge ditch to get down to basically granite um, that was seven stories, seven stories. Okay, now... Below. Below. Now, if you, you think about a story, a story is ten feet. We all know what ten feet is. It's the size of a two-by-four piece of wood when you buy it at the store. Okay, that's that's a story. So if you've got seven stories, it's 70 feet. That's pretty deep. Okay, so what you've got right here is that you've got seven stories plus maybe, what, three stories above it? You know, so you've got ten stories. You should have had the standing part. Uh, yeah, you should have had a third of the of the building standing if it was just pancaking. Right. So you look at this and you go, "This this just can't be." All right. I mean, I mean that that's that's one point that is the more important point. But then there's the other point that is confusing me as a, someone who's really not experienced in this stuff. Um, where is the debris? That's my question. Where's the debris? I don't see debris. I see some debris. But that doesn't look like debris of 100 and, 110 floors. Or a bit less. Even 100 floors, whatever. It doesn't look like it. Well, in her book... It should have been a mess. In her book, she um, goes through... Uh, and this is a 400... It's almost a 500-page book. Okay, this is a textbook. Um, it's full of colored pictures. The thing costs, I think, almost $50 to buy because it's a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if, if you look at the photo number one, in other words, you go down, yeah, it's after the, the top one, but this is a collage. And this really begins to show you the dustification concept. Now, she made up words. She said, uh, she said, you can't use regular words because they don't apply. It was like there was people trying to use the concept of pulverization, that it was pulverization of the buildings. And she said, that pulverization, you have to have pounding like a hammer on a rock. She said, this just went to dust. There wasn't anything pounding. It wasn't pulverization. So she's making up words. All right. Mm Now, at the, at this, this picture here, you're gonna see on the first, uh, picture on the top left, that's the pulverization. I mean, we all the saw left, those, yes. yeah, we all saw those pictures. You know, I mean, it was, they just went into dust. Yeah. There was no falling. And the other thing is there was no noise. You know, oh, you, there wasn't any noise. You see, I don't remember that. Well, because there wasn't anything to remember. You know, I mean, they heard a rumble. People call, said, I heard a rumble. But nobody heard, smack, crash, smack, crash, if it was buildings fall, floors falling into each other. There was none of right, that. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. No, and then, and then, um, what was it? Um, 
I remember when I was watching it live, I specifically remember looking and saying, even though I didn't know all this, I had no idea, I looked at it and I thought, with the shock of seeing this, I thought, this looks weird. Something's not right. I don't know why. Just instinctively, it looked wrong. And it did see, it did look like, okay, the, looked like the tower went down, it was going down, but you, you don't really see a destruction. You see it going down. So obviously, you know, your mind thinks it's controlled demolition. But thinking about it, you, you're not really seeing anything falling. So, because we don't know, we think it's falling. But looking at it from a different perspective, it could be that it's pulverizing or it's disintegrating in thin air. So as it disintegrates in thin air, um, the particles uh, of of everything, of the, of the of the steel, of everything, just turns into dust or it breaks off. Well, and let's, it just let's take goes a down. yeah. Let's take a look at the picture that's at the top. There, it has a water tower and it's a series of pictures. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. if, you, if you carefully look at the first one, you can see some structure, like a column structure. Wow, okay. yeah. Okay, now. Freaky. I did, I, it's not, I couldn't get you a picture because it's in her book, but it's not, it's not anything that I could find on the internet where they have another view in the book. Uh, farther away, you're not looking at it this way, you're looking at it far away. And you can see that column standing, and it went two-thirds of the, the tower. That's the inner core. They did a um, a picture, a superimposed picture of what the towers were over this thing. And this thing, the top of that, that column there, was two-thirds of the way up the tower. Okay. Now, if it had been pancaking, one of the one of the things one of the in the book I talk about is that if it had been pancaking, it's very likely that the inner column which you're seeing there would have still been there for a good portion of it because that was where the strength was. That's where the elevators were, that's where a lot of the plumbing, piping and all that sort of thing was in the inner core. The outer core, it was like two silos in, a, in, in one silo inside another one, and the big outer silo was um, structurally not what the 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 center the center silo was, and so those columns should have stood there. Well, in this picture here, where you're closer, much closer to it, you can see it. All right, it's solid. Looks solid, doesn't it? In that first picture. Then you go to the next picture. Are you talking about the antenna? Yeah, it's not an antenna. It's actually the inside of the tower. That's what I'm saying is that I got a, she, she talks about it in the book, but it's not anywhere on the internet that can Oh buy. yeah, okay, okay, got it. Okay, that you're on a building that is quite a ways from the tower. Alright, from the, from the, the, what's happening. So you're, yeah. you're looking at it and you don't have any reference point. At first I thought it was some kind of an antenna. But then in looking mm-hmm. at her book, she has a picture where you can see this column standing there. Alright? From a distance. You're looking at it. It's a totally different version of it. 
and it's and it's where the middle it was in the middle of the tower so they took us superimposed a, a picture of a tower standing and you could see that this was actually the inner silo inside yeah, that thing okay. was the elevators wow i see okay. it now yeah and probably a lot of piping i used to work in a condominium i was a maintenance engineer i know where they put these pipes you know and and it would have been uh, the pipes would have been running up that inner column the the water pipes and you're talking 110 floors you're talking about some pretty big pipes and at, they had to at layers of the floor they actually had um water tanks similar to what you're looking at on the roof of another building um inside the the towers themselves to hold water because of the pressure mm-hmm. they have to you know they could pressurize it to a certain length and then it would fill that thing and then there'd be another pressurizing system to go higher so these types of things were all through the building. But again, it would have been in the central core. Now, mm-hmm. out from that central core is an acre of flooring that went out to the outer core, the outer, the outer silo. Now, if you look down at the bottom of this picture, it says what they said, okay? And it shows you what they said happened. So if you look at the first first picture of the tower up there and you can see where the explosions happened all right now that's just mm-hmm. about the 78th floor inside of that is that column all right inside that mm-hmm. tower so initially you can see it but then in the next picture over of the of looking from on the roof at, from the water tower over to the uh, to the building to what was left of the building. You can see this column, this column that was holding 110 floors. You know, above it, there was at least another 30 floors. All of a sudden, begins yeah. to bend, and then it turns to dust and disappears. Yes. That's the freaky part. What the hell happened? That's very scary. That's why Wait, you don't have any off? debris. That's why? That's why you don't have any debris, because it all just turned yes. to dust. Yeah, it reminded me of those sci-fi movies where you have, you know, the the bad guy with the with a gun, the vaporizer, whatever they call it, and it just shoots the person and the person turns into dust. That's what it reminded me of. Well, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, let's they just... Use, they use the technology that... that society the global society has no idea exists that's why no one could explain it well you can't explain something you can't even imagine or see, have seen before now there was a exactly. lot there was a lot of people that realized what had happened because they were into direct energy when um i was researching her i started looking to see well how much free information is out there how much information do people really can you get your hands on about direct energy weapons there's a whole organ, well, I don't know, I haven't looked, but there, at the time, and we're talking about, you know, prior to 2010, there was, um, a, a group, an organization called Direct Energy Engineers or something like that, org, dot org. There was a whole or- organization of people who were studying this very subject. So it was a known thing, but not to, the, not to us guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to the scientific community, but not to the lay people. Like exactly. Us. 
And anyway, most people aren't really interested in this stuff. So even if there was information, most people wouldn't go looking for it. Just the crazy people that were like me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, so. Thank God for people like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank God. Okay, so over on the far right, you see, well, you got pictures of people there. You got, and they're all walking in this dust thing, okay? Um, before the dust thing happens, Look at the picture on the far right. What in the heck is happening to that building? This is tower, this is the hmm. north, north tower. Okay, this is tower, the first tower that was hit. But, yes. I thinking, I think it is. I might be turned around. That might be the south tower, south tower. But both of them had the same thing happen just before they fell. What is, what is that? Now she calls it lathering. But all of a sudden the buildings just started erupting in all of this what looks like white smoke. Yes. Well, think of a fire. And black smoke on the top. Black on the top. The black on the top is actually fire. Fire. But the all this other it. stuff, what the hell is it? Yeah. Cuz that that's not smoke. That's not this white smoke is not smoke from fire. No. No, it's it fire cannot. smoke fire is black. So it's very interesting. You can see this black streak of this black streak on the top and then there's all this white in the bottom. And and the most most of it is white. There's just a very small portion of it that's the smoke, the the, the black smoke. So that is definitely a very weird picture. So if you look at the lathering thing, that was happening. Okay, and then go back to our first picture in the top corner there, the right top corner. That followed the lathering. Mm -hmm. All right, now, what's really happening in that picture is that the buildings are being hit with what's called a direct energy weapon, or direct energy beam. It is causing the physical structure of the building to essentially disintegrate at the molecular level because when you when you okay you got the, you got let's let's just talk about concrete okay so you got the concrete when it gets hit with the 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 beam of energy the beam of energy is putting out a discordant resonance which means that the concrete Okay, you remember how many times these, uh, st uh, st uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, stadiums, you know, and they've got the bleachers, and how bleachers mm -hmm. have collapsed in it, when they've got a lot of people in there, and the people are clapping, yeah. and okay, because what's what starts up is that you get a vibration from people clapping and clapping. jumping and this sort of thing in the metal frame of the bleachers. And it's discordant with the structure of the molecular cohesion of yeah. the metal. Okay? So what happens is you actually begin to break apart, weaken metal that then collapses in these studio, in these, uh, stadium things. The same thing is happening in this lathering thing. It's being hit with a beam. And the beam, the outside of the building where this thing is starting to cook it 
is actually starting to fall apart. With that lathering is actually the building beginning to molecularly fall apart. Then when it gets to a point that this, the entire building is no longer structurally together, it does the uh, water fountain thing where it just fell apart. Just keep going back to the lathering, to that other picture, and you'll see, you, you can see what's happening. It's actually molecularly disintegrating in the picture to the right and in the picture to the left where it's actually coming down. It's just lost all of its integrity. And then yeah. what are you seeing in the, in the picture with our water towers? You're seeing steel that was probably thicker, okay, because it's the core. And it took a little while before that disintegrated. One of the things that was, and again, in her book, you don't, I couldn't find the pictures. The book is filled with pictures. It's just beautiful. Um, they had, uh, this shot, and I, it, it's the, I think it was the second tower, but it was one of the towers, and if you remember the towers, they had what they called, um, oh, uh, wish, uh, checkerboard. It had this checkerboard facade on a, a half, third up the way up the building. I mean, quite a ways up the building. They had like a checkerboard kind of facade. Is it like a black and white or? Um, it was just metal. Just, just it, was, it was sort okay. of, I could never figure out what it was really there for, so I have to assume it might have been some kind of a, a look it's symbolic. to it. Yeah, you know, whatever. But they have pictures of the this this falling dust thing and inside that you can see the checkerboard thing wheat check she called it wheat check the wheat check effect and as it's it's falling it disappeared there was nothing that hit the ground nothing hit the ground they had seismic readings throughout the whole area there were there, there were strong that's what i understood yeah there was no boom yeah. There was no sound and there was no seismic impact. They never recorded it. They got a little book, but nothing much more than background. At the well, time. that's, I guess, the vibration as well. I mean, if you think about it, if, if you, if you target something with an energy, uh, weapon or whatever you call it, you know, like an energy, what, what, what's the word you used? Um, direct energy being. Direct energy, yeah. I mean, Think about it, as you said with the bleachers. I mean, it's it's all about vibration. If you um, if you irritate the uh, molecular structure of anything that is m material, I mean, as an as a non scientist, this just my mind logically understands it. That if there is a specific type of vibration, something that is like, for example, clapping. Clapping creates vibration it creates certain types of waves and if that doesn't discord with the molecular structure of things then it, it for, let's stop uh, let's not think about the, um, the 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 physicality of it let's go down to the molecular structure what does it do it starts to irritate the molecules inside and it starts moving them in a different way a, w a way that is not natural to them to keep that material thing, the, the, the iron, whatever it is, intact. So, uh, thinking about it, speaking from a very simple perspective, it would make sense that if that happened, uh, it would just disintegrate. 
it would disintegrate. Of course, if you're using something very technologically advanced. I mean, we all saw that nothing really fell. What I mean is, there was no debris. We did see something fall. Like, the tower fell. But we couldn't really see the debris itself. And a lot of us didn't question that. So uh, her her theories are very interesting because they explain a lot of things that we, at least I didn't know, I mean, I didn't think of. That's why I found this interview so fascinating. It's incredible. Well, it they didn't fall, they disappeared. And she did exactly. go in the, in the book and she gave quotes from a lot of, uh, it, uh, what do you call them, network people, CBS, ABC, NBC people. We're saying, where'd the towers go? That's why her book is called "Where'd the Towers Go," because at the time it was happening, they kept saying, "Where's the towers? What happened to them?" And they were there. The ones that were there were, were even more mystified. It's like because they didn't hear anything; they hear a rumble, and the next thing they know, it, everything is dust. You know, now. Let's talk about the dust because that's another one of those. Oh my goodness, what is this about? Again, I couldn't get the pictures. But when you think back on the. Alright, even look at the what they said down in the right hand corner on the bottom, okay? You see that cloud of dust at the very end where they got this cloud of dust? We all saw that thing just move away. Like the thing came down into this cloud of dust. You can, you remember seeing pictures ru- of people running away from it, of it being mm-hmm. behind them. And, you know, well, one of the weirdest parts about it, if you remember what she said, because I hadn't really twigged on this until I listened to that interview. And by the way, that interview is on the, the blog page. It's at the bottom, uh, the YouTube uh, link. Um, so, this big, huge thing of dust that we all saw coming, you know, down the street and people running away from it. It wasn't hot. Okay? Some people actually said it felt cold. It was colder than the ambient temperature. So right from the get-go, there's something, while they're inside this, this dust thing, there is something different about the way it felt. They said that they felt itchy, um, that they were their skin was irritated. Uh, of course, they were having terrible times breathing, breathing the shit in. Um, that stuff, that big cloud that was chasing people. Okay, and the first we're talking the first tower. Okay. The first tower comes back down, and it was the south tower. And this big field of debris went out just so far, and then it stopped moving forward. It stopped moving forward, and it started to move up. All right, so imagine this. You got this debris cloud, supposedly. You know, I mean, it's all this smoke and crap and cloud coming at you. Well, there was a guy videotaping from his um, high-rise balcony. And you watch the videotape as this cloud is coming right into his window. Just before it gets there, it stops moving. It never 
hit the window. It stopped moving. And you can see it. It started going up. Mm-hmm. Now, what could possibly explain why that would have happened? Well, let's look at the second one. The tower fell. Same thing happened. This dust cloud went out, and it went out a certain amount of distance, and then it stopped moving along vertically, and it started going up. It was, it stopped a block, one block from where the first debris cloud stopped. One block, and there was one block between the two towers, which means that whatever took the towers down the debris field that was going out was still being activated on. So by the time it gets to a certain distance away, this continual disintegration molecularly of what the particles were in there, they got them so fine that it couldn't no longer move forward, it moved up. So this It became too thin? Too thin, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it, it wasn't it it just flew up because it was it was too thin to actually continue going forward. Correct. Which indicates okay. that something was continuing to happen within the cloud itself. Mm. Alright, because once you start this this well let me give you the let me give you a, a okay, when we say take two three pieces of shungite and put it on a water pipe, okay? Because the shungite has a very powerful energy field. And the water, when it's in the pipe, really doesn't have any energy field at all because it's not rotating. It's just dead water. When I put those on the pipe, I didn't anticipate that it was going to go upstream as well as downstream. It's the vibration of the molecules in the cloud. In other words, it was being hit with a, with, with the, with the primary source of starting, the energy beam itself. But then as it, everything started disintegrating, the continual, uh, bad vibration inside the molecules continued to break them down, even as they were moving away from the primary source of the energy. It continued yeah. until they were so small that they just started floating up. Wow. Now the pictures that you wow. see on the ground, okay? Again, that's some of this. If it was a cloud of dust, would it would it be? Is there walking through it? Would it be doing this? You know, you watch, you see the feet. You know, you got these these this cloud, and the cloud is all around it. That's that's still that's still pieces, particles of the building that are disintegrating. And this fuming went on for months. And months, as they, they, in, you remember seeing the uh, debris field that was there, and they're de- trying to dig through it and stuff. There was still fuming. That was not smoke. They, if it, they put water on it, and if you put water on um, something that's burning, smoldering, you get this initial steam thing, right? Bouge. Mm-hmm. Well, when they would put it on this this dust stuff. It wasn't any heat. There wasn't anything causing that. It would stop doing it until it dried out, and then it started up again. That's, that's fascinating. A, that's in the debris field. Yeah. 
So the, the field was still active for all that time? Yes. I mean, well, it gets, even, it gets even worse. It gets even weirder, okay? Now, I didn't get into this mostly because of time, but um, they, they, it was taking forever. You remember, it was taking forever to build. They had cleaned it out in an amazing amount of time, but it seemed like it was taking forever to build. Well, she's looking and send at... Off, can I just say one thing? And sent sure. off some of, the, some of the remains to China. Oh, I right. found that very strange. Okay. Right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. The, um, what was, well, the story was right, right at the time that they were taking every, all the steel that, that had come down from these pancaking buildings and they had sent it to China. Now, you're going like, they sent it to China? Why did they send it to China? Why didn't they look at this stuff? But they basically, as soon as it happened, they're taking the stuff out, they're putting it in this dump place, and the big pieces were going to China. That's the story. But then when you look at the what was there, there wasn't any big pieces. What did they send to China? Yeah. It was a bullshit story. Yeah. <coughs> no, it doesn't make sense. I mean, why would they do that? Well, and, and and even more, I mean, it, it, it should be a priority to keep as much evidence as possible to understand what happened. Why would they send it to another nation? That just that that to me is another question. But there are too many question marks uh, surrounding nine eleven, and this is one of them. Um, but you were saying, I mean, I, I interrupted you and and just brought up the whole China thing. Well, um, no, because it goes it goes to the concept of the metal that they did find. Okay, um, because <laughs> I don't think it would have ever gotten to China. All right, now why do I think that? Well, because the uh, be, uh, the Dutch ba- or Ger- German bank, Deutsche, whatever it is, the Do- German. Oh yeah, Deutsche. Deutsche. Okay, that building was directly across the acres and acres of the facility because it was a huge facility that had all these buildings in it. Directly across from the towers was this building that housed that bank. That bank was damaged. And this, this goes to part of this, this, the story is that we all saw that the towers were hit by planes and they came down. Well, then why the hell were so many other buildings that were so far away damaged? They weren't damaged by falling debris. And the Deutschland Bank was one of them. So they, it was one of the first buildings that they actually began to repair. And they put in brand new beams into, into the structure and everything. Well, within a year, those beams, brand new beams, were turning to rust. Okay? So okay. she began to say, so maybe this process of disintegration was continuing and sort of infected even new metal. And maybe that's why it was taking so long for them to build, because they couldn't put any good metal in there because the process was still happening. So then she decides, okay, what might be able to quench that thing? And she went to dirt, because you can sometimes cover radiation to a degree, and you can, you know, so she just she's reaching for straws at that point. But she goes back and she starts looking at all the pictures right at the time and right after. 
And don't you believe she sees truck after truck, dump trucks, bringing dirt into that area. And they'd lay out the, <laughs> the dirt, and then they'd pick it up, and they'd cart it away. And again, in the book, she's got pictures of, of this happening. And they're doing it in plain sight. In plain sight, well, because we all bought into the fact that they had pancaked yeah. <laughs> down. Yeah. Wow. So they didn't think that there would be experts that would understand what's going on and try to um, call them out. They figured nobody'd believe us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's true. I mean, that, that basically, you know, tell a big lie and nobody's going to believe the person that's saying. I think that's a lie because <laughs> mm-hmm. you all bought mm-hmm. into it. Um, another interesting thing about the metal was that when Building Seven, now a lot of people don't know about Building Seven. Building 7 actually collapsed at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It was just after 5. And again, it did the same thing. It just, it lathered up and then it turned into dust. Within not even hours of that happening, they were carting any piece of anything that was there. What was left of that building was gone within hours. They had the trucks ready to pull it out of there. They didn't want anybody to see what was left of Building 7 because they were going to find the same thing in 1 and 2. Disintegration, dustification, and a continuing process. So we'll talk about Building... Yeah, so it would be too strange for it all to... Yeah. No, we, we can talk about Building 7 later. Um, this In the far left corner, you see the plume that was over the area. That thing actually went down the East Coast. It just sort of kept meandering. Um, I don't remember, I don't know if I even knew, how long it really was in existence. But one other thing... You mean the white cloud? The white cloud. Yeah, that white cloud. Mm -hmm. That's Um, very strange. The... One of the things that is never, never talked about and I'm not going to be able to talk about it in this show. But at the same time that 9-11 happened, okay, for four days before this, there was Hurricane Aaron. It was a Category 3 hurricane on a dead line, just like Sandy. Fall, well, Sandy would have followed the same track, going towards the city, Long Island, for four days before that. Now... That day, you have a major hurricane within hours of striking Long Island. And the morning weather that day, all through the local weather stations, said nothing about a hurricane. Nothing. What the heck was that about? So Erin's about to hit the city when this attack occurred. And she took a 90-degree turn and got blown into the middle of the Atlantic. And nobody talked about it. It's like it was, yeah, there was like a a strong shield that was maybe preventing it to come, um, to, to pass through. I mean, you tell me this thing wasn't planned. They got. The, I'll get into it. It was. It, it was very, very dependent on timing. 
those planes had to had a 15 minute window to f- get off of off of their their land b- based and get in the air and hit those buildings within a 15 minute window all right now that that was very critical to their planning so they got this plan up they've got and it's because of satellites because it was actually radio control of the planes so you got this 15 minute window when all the satellites that you can have in that area or in that area to prove to provide absolute precision navigation and so these planners have been working on this for three years. They know the exact time they have to match that satellite profile. And they got a hurricane about to hit them. Right? Do they want the hurricane to disrupt their scenario? Because if they say, well, there's a hurricane, nobody would have been there. Exactly. Their, their big splash would have gone because of a hurricane. So they never mentioned it, nobody knew about it, everybody went to work, and people died. Well, why do you think the hurricane got deviated? Oh, because of the force, uh, the the whole, I mean, again, we'll probably get into it. I have not researched it the way I'm going to research it, so when I talk about it, I'll probably be able to answer that question, but not right now. I really don't know. Except it was something happened that blew it the other way around, and she gets intensely into it, the discussion. So I'm, uh, I just sort of never looked at it. It was so many other things I just didn't look at it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. No, it's just very interesting because it seems like that force was so powerful that it actually pushed the hurricane away. Um, it's just that, I mean, another another point, if I can bring that up as well, because we're talking about this whole disintegration, is um, the poor people that were in the towers. That's another thing that they kind. Of, I mean, she kind of got into de- into into detail about. Let's um, wait. Let's wait on that because it's the top okay. of the hour. And, oh yeah, uh, right. You know, we'll play a, a play a tune here and take a little break. And we'll come back and we'll, we'll continue this, you know, you know, crazy saga of what, what really happened. And we're back. Um, you there, Nora? Yes, I am. I'm right here. Why? Okay. I, I, I don't know what was happening with Dolly. <laughs> she was saying she wasn't hearing anything. I guess she's hearing it now. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so we are back. You're listening to DMT with Nora Willow, and it is April 29th, 2017, and I'm kind of hijacking poor Nora <laughs> talking about 9/11. Um, anything you want to? But a ta- fascinating, different perspective. Yeah, a little different story than what we were told. That's for sure. Um, okay. Um, Let's just before, so go back to the pictures. Right. Let's go back to the pictures because I want you to just get a feeling for all the bizarre weirdness. The the you know science can't explain this stuff except through you know the concept of a energy, um, an energy thing. So um, the second photo down, we start to look at what really convinced me. That even beyond everything else, this was what made me go, what? Because mm-hmm. that first car there, okay, it is actually a police officer's car. That first car, 
that was on Fitzgerald Boulevard, which is like on the other side of where all this happened. I think it's like a mile plus away from where the Twin Towers were falling. And you see this bizarre damage to vehicles. All right, so the picture that under the words toasted and rusted, right under there, this uh, police car is in this the same area. That's where they found it. The entire boulevard, all of these cars just were melted. She calls them toasted. All right. There, the, there's two pictures of parking lots. Those parking lots, again, were way away from the, from the towers themselves. And yet the vehicles were looking burned. There's, the other aspect of it is that they were also rusted. This is days. This mm-hmm. is, this is within hours of this happening. And steel is rusting. Now in the upper right corner, You've got two vehicles, one on top of the other, on a flatbed. Both of those cars are all rusted out. The one below it. How could that happen? How that could happen. The one below it, you're going to see what you see in the one right next to it, the police car and the smaller one, just above toasted and rusted. If you look at these vehicles, it's it's something was affecting the vehicle, but not the entire vehicle. So you've got pristine paint where you've got melted molten steel. And when you analyze, when they analyze this stuff, very often it's like a line, like somebody, like a cutter line, you know? Um, if you look at the, any of these cars, but look at the police officer's car again, the police car. Notice that it does not have a door handle in the front. You see the two right. little holes? There's like, that's where the door handle was supposed to be? Mm-hmm. None of these cars have door handles. <laughs> door handles just, mm. you know, disappeared. The shot of, like, looks like the inside of the car is the inside of that police vehicle. Okay, the inside of it. And, yes, there's there's burning. It's been charred inside. But you also see rust inside the car. Mm-hmm. Another, go ahead. No, I was just wondering what what is what does that ru- I mean um what caused the rust? Well, because it's the dislocation of the molecular structure is affecting okay. the metals. Now, another weird thing is if you've got a fire that's burning hot enough to melt the vehicle, why is it that that canister of oxygen never blew up? You see it right next yeah, to the chair. I was wondering about that. Yeah. How could all this fire and that thing didn't blow up? Now, those kind of canisters, you know, the ones that they put on their back when they're going into a building and they need to breathe? Mm-hmm. Oh, I forget what Scott. They call them Scotties. They're Scott canisters, I believe. Those things were blowing up on people's backs, on firemen's backs. They, they were, were blowing up. They were blowing up. The, uh, again, they're metal. And so the firemen are being, are within the, the, the damaging energy field. And the, the canisters began to deteriorate and then they would get to a certain weakened, weakened spot and the pressure would blow them up. 
there was many recordings, uh, people, at, you know, saying, no, the damn thing bro- blew up. Well, because they were disintegrating. Another indication that this molecular de, de- I don't even know what you call it, dustification was happening even, you know, to things that were not directly involved with the building. Um, yeah, far away, just like these cars, for example, right? Right. Now, you got the police cruiser in the bottom and you got a fire burning in the engine compartment, right? Mm-hmm. How come the thing's not blowing up? They didn't blow up. None of these cars, they're supposedly all on fire and none of them blew up. Well, what caused the fire? I mean, you see, that's kind of confusing. Well, see now, let's see. Um, uh, okay, go down, go down one, one more slide. So it's photo three. Okay, that was she calls this this stuff weird fires. It was like yes, you can see. Um, okay, in the middle of the picture, there's a picture of a obviously something on fire, or we think it's something on fire. Correct. There's the the mm-hmm. the tree, and then the the car. Well, all that stuff around yes. it is paper. If it was burning, why isn't why isn't the paper catching fire? Here's another one in the far left bottom, and you see a fireman, you know, and mm-hmm. right in front of him is this spot what looks like fire. Why isn't the paper burning? That's true. So this is paper. It's all paper. What is paper do? What is paper doing on the ground like that? It got blown. Well, that was the other thing. Okay. Now, oh, I don't. I yeah. I'd have to. Um, let, let, let's let's go back for a second here okay. and talk about the, what was what the debris field. Okay. There were no toilets. They didn't find any toilets. Okay. Now think so about this. So the toilets this. disappeared too. Think, think about this. They estimated that there should be ten thousand toilet fixtures in the rubble pile. There wasn't any. Mm. All right. Where'd they go? Where did the desks go? The metal desks. Where did the filing cabinets go? Where did everything metal go? Because the only thing they found after the fact was plastic and paper. They found a, a, thousands of pieces of identification, plastic identification, but no bodies. <laughs> you know? So that explains the passport. <laughs> Yeah, somehow a passport flew out of the plane and ended up in a block away on the street so that somebody could pick it up and say, oh, this guy was the guy that did it. <laughs> I mean, you got to have, uh, like, yeah. okay, so the other stuff uh, about the fires. See, no, see, that's one of the things, she just calls them weird fires. It was like there were fires burning, but the burning, what they weren't burning. They weren't even, I don't know if anybody stuck their hand in it to see if it was hot, but... It wasn't a typical fire. Um, you can see this is a very famous picture in sort of the middle uh, part of it on the right side, the big shovel that's digging up, and it seems to be pulling up fire, low, molten, le- uh, molten metal. This was long after the, uh, the event. This was like weeks after the event, and you can still see the fuming. 
it's still breaking down. So I think when I get into, I think she addresses this more when she talks to about John Hutchinson and what, what all this is, the science is behind and what happens to it. But right in that same area, you see this car that's on a fence. You see that? Yes. What is that doing there? How'd it get there? They had cars flipped over. They'd have a car that was sitting there. It wasn't a good picture to show you. But it was, you know, you have a car that's absolutely on the street, and it's sitting there like it should, and then right behind it is a car upside down. (laughs) Why? Hmm. Uh, Well, I could understand the car upside down. Maybe it just flipped. But this one on the fence. Yeah, that's why I showed this one. That's bizarre. So, is it the energy field that caused it? Um, Yeah, what happens is that part of this whole directed energy thing, and that's why, I mean, yes, I'm I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with dragons and 9-11, go figure. Um, but it's the reason that we are, that I'm into this right now is, is because they told you a terrible lie. They used something that was terribly dangerous, but that same something can be made into, um, uh, free energy. It just depends mm-hmm. on how you, you know, harness it. And mm-hmm. so. Just like, uh, nuclear. No, it's much different than nuclear. Well, no, I mean the I, the concept that you can use it for ill or good. Oh, 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 yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Same, same situation, and um, you know we've got to start really kind of like paying attention to what these bastards are doing, and so it's not just a matter of understanding what happened on nine eleven. It's how it happened because how it happens, the science, is really something that should be could change everything you know so um one other thing about you know the pepsi-cola truck that's there uh, oh wait a minute i went down to the next one i'm sorry i'm in photo three now yes okay now these are some of the other things that are so strange you got the pepsi-cola and with the guy standing in front of it okay now they're still on the streets, so you know that this is this is not months or years. This is, you know, probably days or week. And you see rusting happening on the front of that vehicle. Now, obviously, the vehicle has been, you know, messed with. When in the um, in the sh- the parking lot thing, some of those most okay, most of the damage being witnessed in the vehicles all started in the um, engine block. So you'll see a lot of engine block damage, and then the back of the the vehicle is fine. It seems like because there was more heavy metal in that area, it actually probably um, accelerated or intensified the reaction that was occurring. Because there's just it seems like an awful lot of the vehicles had engine fires, didn't blow up, and. Uh, you know, it wasn't fires. It was actually this this dust of a cave. They were going to dust, but they weren't under direct beam, so they're kind of like catching the... It's going to take a while for it to happen. In the top left corner of the of this picture, this is to show 
You see how all these windows seem to have like holes in them? You see that one? The the yeah yeah. Now mm -hmm. those holes. That's glass. That's glass. And it, this is this is only the best picture I could get. She has many many pictures of the buildings in and around the vicinity, not close enough to get hit by falling debris, but there wasn't any falling debris to get hit with. But they've got all these holes in them in the windows. Um, one building, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I don't, did I get down to it? I don't think I showed that one yet. Um, one building had, uh, marble on the outside of the building, a big, huge, wonderful marble thing. And it was gone. Just disappeared. Wow. The whole facade of the building just disappeared. So there was energies all through the area that were just, you know, doing bizarre things. Um, mm. I'm not going to get into how much bizarreness was really involved in it because it would, you know, I mean, she's written a 500-page book. We're going to give you what I think is, is the way to, to kind of open your mind up to what, oh, my God, there's a lot of weird things happening there. And, of course, we've got the rust pile right next to it. Um, nothing rests like that that fast. The rubble's still down. They're 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 not out of there yet, and it's all rust. Um. Okay, so we kind of covered. But I have a question regarding the the rust. Sure. So, are there other? I mean, when rust happens to metal, what are the ways that it could rust? Is it? I mean, are there other ways um, besides water? Like you put water, it rusts. What are the other um, causes for rust? And before we we talk about timing and how ta how long it takes. Um, so is is uh, uh, like uh, like time, um, the friction with uh, with air. <coughs> it's actually a chemical reaction mm -hmm. between the iron and oxygen. Mm -hmm. So as oxygen intermingles with the iron, it creates rust. It's a a slow disintegration of the metal, iron, through oxidation. Yes. That's what rust is. What caused this rusting? Again, it has to do something with the dustification and the continuation of the molecular disintegration. You know, it's the only so it's way impossible for it to happen that quick. Oh, I mean, impossible. I know it takes many years for that to happen, but in this specific situation, it is not known to science now what could have happened. Well, it's not known to me. Uh, um, <laughs> science yes, may know, but it's not mainstream. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure that mm -hmm. that uh, Dr. Wood ever gave an explanation for it. She was just pointing it out. Her theory was that if she pointed out the problems, somebody could figure out the rest of it. And mm -hmm. so she just really kind of like says, well, what about this situation? So I don't know. It's a very good question. But no, oxygen, oxygen working on iron was what causes the rust. And that takes a long time. Not days, not weeks, not months. Um, that's what I thought. I mean, I'm not an expert, but that's what I know as well, that these things, uh, the process of rust is something that takes years. And, it t you know, something abandoned, it's not being maintained, taken care of. 
than things like that. This looks like stuff that's been abandoned for years. Um, it looks like a horror scene. Yeah, it was a horror scene. I mean, it is, yes, absolutely. But just looking at the pictures again, um, it feels almost like something abandoned. Um, and the, the, the fascinating thing, as, as Dr. Wood said, she implied what caused it, because nothing known to science now, mainstream science, can explain how this happened. I just, I'm just emphasizing this to make sure I understand and make sure that whoever's listening understands that this is, this is very weird. One of the weird things. And what shocks me is that these things have not been talked about. I mean, I don't know if Dr. Wood is the only one who brought this up or if there are a few other people like her. But I just find it astonishing how no one in the mainstream talked about this or brought this up, even scientists. Well, what's really, really tragic about it is that she has been attacked by the rest of the, the truth movement. Okay, they, they got locked oh. in their story. It was, it was controlled demolition. The government did it. They, they did it so that we could, uh, uh, give up our, 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 our freedoms in order to be secure and go to war with Iraq. All of that was predicated on the, it was a government operation to well, do no this. Well, no one's denying the fact that it's still a government operation and that it is a plot to, you know, move into uh, the Middle East. That, I, I, I think that that doesn't really, her, her idea of what could have happened is not going to change the story. The only thing that changes is the way it's been done. But that's the story they didn't see that. Okay. We have to assume that any truth movement, any group out there that's trying to do the things that we're doing, they're being infiltrated. We don't have any great visibility. We're a small little radio station that, you know, connects with I don't know how many people, but we're not, we don't have a big profile. But the, the, the 9-11, all the truth movement things that came out at the time, some of that was disinformation. Because if their story of pancaking buildings fell apart, then they would want you to look at controlled demolition. They don't want you to look at energy weapons. Mm-hmm. So people that were, and a lot of these people just, they get stuck in a story and they're not going to listen to her. So she came under a lot of attack from the very people that should have been saying, oh my God, is this true? You know? Um, yeah, it's, that's an interesting aspect of, of her story because that's one of the reasons now Dolly asked if I'd ever, you know, asked Dr. Wood to come on the show. And, um, no, because I've seen her give interviews, the, the interview that we've got, the YouTube interview that's on the, the webpage I gave you. That particular, that particular, um, what was I just telling you? The YouTube. Oh, that particular interview of Dr. Woods is the best interview I have heard her do. And I was absolutely enthralled with her interviewer because she was dead on good. I don't think I can do anything better. Even if I had her in front of me. She was good. It was an, it's an excellent, it's only a half an hour. Isn't it a half an hour? No, I guess it's an hour. That's an hour. No, it's more. It's an hour and a half. Oh, I that's think. right. That's an hour and a half one. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that 
I'm not going to make her come out to try to duplicate something that, in my opinion, she did the best job I've ever seen anybody do on the subject. So I highly recommend that you do listen to to that interview. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating interview. I enjoyed every moment of it. I kept going, <gasps> you know, like every five minutes being shocked by what she was saying because the way the intricacy and the detail of her explanations were so dead on and so logical for a non-expert to understand um, that it really blows your mind away. It's just, it changes your perspective. And again, it doesn't take away the idea of why it happened, but just she was focusing on the aspect of how it happened. She felt that if she looked at the evidence and just told the story basically like we're telling it now, this is her story, um, that then the people that might know more than she does about the rest of it would take off. But they never did. You know, the the some of the big people have put her down, and other people, they just can't get their heads around what she's saying. So I think that's why I decided to do it this way, you know. Let me go through it. Let me try to explain it as a lay person that had to understand what Dr. Wood was saying. Now, if you go down to the next photo, photo four, this stuff is, <laughs> uh, tell you, that filing cabinet, the only filing cabinet found. They didn't find any doors. They didn't find any doorknobs. They didn't find any metal, period. They only found paper and plastic, all right, except for mm. this particular glob. And this particular glob is the only filing cabinet that was found. And they know it's a filing cabinet because of the, you see the blue and the red sticking out of it? That's Is that paper? That's paper. That's, oh that's files. Those are file folders. No, that, now that's scary. Yeah, that, that one was like, whoa. I mean, it was, whoa. You've got this file, think of a filing cabinet that has been Put down. It, this thing isn't much bigger than a, ba ba a basketball. I meant to put up a picture that showed it so you could get the size. It's only about the size of a basketball. So you got a, a filing cabinet that's now the size of a basketball that's somehow been dis completely melted, destroyed, and it's got paper in it. Now you tell me that that's not weird. <laughs> the. The pic, the pictures to the to the right of this thing, is I, I, let me let me just see. Did I jot down what that all was? No, of course I don't. Okay, that thing right there is got. It's like a whole bunch of stuff got put together and then melted together. There's even paper in there. You know, this is one of, and see, see all that that stuff that's running through it. The that's piping. <laughs> mm. You know, the one. Yeah, it looks like a lot of stuff all put together. Yeah, the one on the uh, bottom left. Okay, that's part of that wheat check. Now, if you are thinking in terms of pancaking stuff, okay, the wheat check is going to get. A blow. It's not going to be twisted like you took dough and twisted it. 
Those were all flat pieces of metal, and now they've all been twisted. Right next to it, the two red, rusty things, okay? The, that's part of the, uh, the metal work of the, uh, buildings, the, the trusses and stuff themselves. And not only are they rusted, but they're in a state of real deterioration. Mm. Somehow or another, the process stopped in these pieces. Maybe these pieces don't even exist now. You know, maybe they were at that point when they took the picture and they just continued to go to dust. We don't know this. Yeah. Now, the two pictures below that are the vehicles. Um, probably I should have blown them both up, but what is obvious on both doors, if you, well, the, the, uh, that was like an emergency vehicle, the red one on the, on the far right. Oh, that cat is now in my, what are you doing? Um, he's got himself all wrapped up in my headphone wires. Um, that, that was really impressive to me too. Because if you see the, see, the, let's just look at the, the red vehicle at the bottom in the right corner. You see in the back of it, you've got white paint. Absolute pristine white paint. Red paint. Okay? But then right above it, you've got all this molten stuff. And then mm-hmm. to the side of it, you've got molten. You can see that gray that's molten. And then you see these big holes in it. That's molten steel. This it just molted, melted, yes. and brought in holes. When I saw this picture, this one was really impactful to me. And, you know, again, the same uh, things were being seen on the vehicle next to it. Uh, the door has the same kind of pitting that you see there. Yeah, you can see it's it's melting, especially like the the the, the red vehicle. Right. Um, that one is very very impactful, as you said. You can really see the steel that it's melted. Right. And it made all these holes. But can this happen? I mean, just going back to what they were saying regarding you know uh, how long there was heat in Ground Zero. Now I, I want us to I want you just to to focus a little bit on that. Because, you know, they said that there was no, I mean, she said, sorry, Dr. Dr. Wood said that, uh, there was no heat. But then there were all these, um, all these reactions. Like, for example, you look at the cars, there's molten steel, and then you have on ground zero for many months after the event itself happened, there was this heat being generated in the bottom. So, how is that related to the, uh, direct, uh, energy? A weapon on on the uh, on the whole you know the whole area. You know I don't know. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm going like I say. The, the, my next my next effort here is to really get into the science. Hopefully Walt's going to do it with me. <laughs> he said I don't want to relive that stuff. I said Walt, I want you to look at the science. The science. What could have caused these things? So I don't know if he's going to get over his hesitation or not. But um, my my feeling about it is that, first off, direct energy weapons are already being used on in battlefields, actually. You'll see, and crowd control, you'll see they're using audio sounds. You know, they put these audio things out there. Well, they also have these other machines and I can't remember what the name of it is but it's putting out a microwave signal so they beam it at the people that are they want to control 
And what happens to the people is that they they feel like their skin's burning up. So they they stop protesting and they try to get away from whatever's causing them to feel like they're about to burn up. And it's microwave. The basic concept behind energy weapons, I'm assuming, is going to be similar to microwave. Might not be the identical frequency. And when you've got situations where you're seeing these pitting things, my feeling is is that this, they were putting a huge beam on a huge area. And there may have been situations like a radio signal where it bounces off of something and then hit something else. And I think that's what the, why there were holes in the windows, why there's holes in these vehicles. That's that's what I think was happening, was it was actually ricocheting energy waves. They were coming off the buildings and just bouncing around. Now, so it wasn't heat? No. No, it was not heat. It was It was, okay. you know... Star Wars weaponry. <laughs> now, um, earlier I kind of stopped you about talking about the people. Because understand that I wrote a book in 2010 and had done an extraordinary amount of research on this subject. I knew there were jumpers. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't live through that day without knowing that. I had no appreciation for how many. I had no appreciation for what happened when they jumped. And that was the most, uh, I mean, I actually turned off the tape when I heard her talking about that. I had to get away yeah. from it. I had to breathe. So what we're going to tell you now is difficult. Um, just think of it as something that happened and something that was a scientific phenomena, and that's what we're looking at. Don't get your mind into the fact that you're talking about human beings because we won't be able to get through this if we do it that way. Yeah. Okay. There were 1,200, over 1,200 people that jumped from those buildings. 1,200. They said, and I read it last night. Um, I went through the agony of reading the entire thing in her book about the people. I guess I never read it. In, I mean, I, I read the book. I guess I just didn't, I, I skipped it because I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to think about the people. But that, what she said on that YouTube made me say, we've got to look at the people. I didn't realize there were 1,200 people. There was about 400 people who were uh, firemen who lost their lives that day. If you take the 400 and the 1,200, you got about six, well, you got about 600, 1,600 Bodies, human bodies, in the mix. All right. Understand, there was almost three thousand. Three thousand people, three thousand samples of DNA. The only DNA that they found was sixteen hundred. The jumpers, and the firemen. What happened to all the people in the building? Where'd they go? Right. Why did they jump? She goes through an explanation of the people on the buildings and the things that they were doing that was weird. One guy was talking to his wife 
and she was in above the fire. And she said, we're going to go and we're going to get, um, we're going to wet our clothes, we're going to get something to put over our face, and we're going to try to get out of here. We're trying to get through the fire. That, he, that was a conversation he had with her. Then he found out she jumped. And they were able to determine the time element between when she, she last talked to her husband and when she jumped. Now when he talked to her, she was going to put this, get their clothes wet, and they were going to try to get through the fire. One of the things that they've discovered about these small microwave crowd control things is that if people have wet clothes, it's much worse. The effects on their bodies is much worse. So these people thinking that they were overheating because of fire and heat wet their clothes and then the feeling intensified to the point that their they felt like their skin was cooking. In fact, that's exactly what was happening. Now why do I say that? If somebody jumps from a 77th floor in a building, when they hit the ground, they're going to be going about 80 miles per hour. They're going to be dead, but their body is going to be intact. I know this from my own personal experiences. We had um, a jumper in the condominium, and I happened to be the, the person that was closest to it. And when I looked at that body, it was a body. In 9-11, there were no bodies, really. The vast majority of bodies, when they hit the ground, disintegrated. They just blew apart. Legs going one way, heads going the other, everything. They said that it was so absolutely mind-bending, awful, freaky, that firemen were walking around like out of their minds because they couldn't believe they were in a nightmare. They were walking through pulverized bodies. 1,200 people jumped. And when the bodies hit, it was like they were partially cooked and just smashed. Yeah. In honor of those people, in honor of the people that never never knew what hit them because it started before they even realized they were in danger they started cooking understand that we owe it to them to go through and to understand what really killed them not some fucking pancaking buildings but what really killed them somebody who hit them with an energy device that took their bodies and cooked them took them apart the same way a, a microwave oven will do its damage I don't want to drag you people through this yeah. I don't want to drag myself through this but we have to understand it just to honor the people that died the reasons that we didn't know they deserve to they deserve this it's I mean they deserve justice and the way the best way to do it is to find out what happened to them and even their families deserve to know and as horrible as it is, I think this, as sad it is, it is as, as horrible, horrible as it is, 
the best justice is at least to find out what happened and to bring these people to justice. It's horrible enough what happened, but doing it deliberately and using even worse weapons that no one knows exists so no one can explain what happened. That's even more evil than just pointing a gun at someone and killing them. Yeah, to lie about what happened is to lie about why they died. They didn't die because some terrorists were pissed off at us. They died because some real evil people did some really evil shit. Now, what I think we'll do, we've got about well, a little less than 20 minutes here. Let's just, at the, after that sec, the last p- photo, I've got the list that she gave of, let's see, how many of these things? Okay, 41 different things that she says you, you haven't answered. Okay? And so let's just run through them so we've got it on the record. You okay with that? Absolutely. Okay. The first one, the Twin Towers were destroyed faster than physics can explain by a free-fall speed collapse. Two, they underwent mid-air pulverization or dustification and were turned to dust before they hit the ground. Three, and we didn't talk about this, uh, the the es- excavation when they started building them, they went down those seven stories. It was called the uh, bathtub. Okay, because they had to go down to bedrock, and so they had the seven floors, seven stories, uh, underground. And in there, there was like the trains, the subway trains, and, uh, there were shops, and, you know, stuff like this. But, the bathtub, the bathtub was there. Like a big bathtub, they sat in this big bathtub, seven floor footing. (laughs) If that bathtub had been cracked, the entire place would have flooded out because that seven floors are keeping out the Hudson River. Hudson Bay, I guess it is. So it's keeping out the water. Had it broken, the entire Long Island would have been flooded. And yet there wasn't a crack. So 110 floors fell in a pancaking operation in the bottom of the seven the seven floors at the bottom that you didn't destroy what they were sitting in? Didn't even put a crack in it? That was another thing that we, we didn't talk about, but she does in, in great deal detail. Okay, four. The rails and tunnels in most of the cars had only light damage, if any. So underneath in that area of the seven stories, the rail lines and the tunnels were fine. The rail cars were fine. 110 well, actually, 220 uh, floors should have fallen into that that uh, bathtub footprint and everything down. They even have pictures of the Walt Disney shop, uh, shop where they have some of their stuffed animals in perfect condition. The inside of the shop looked like it was not touched. Um, okay. The WTC Underground Mall survived well. I was just said that okay the seismic Mm -hmm. impact was minimal too far too small based on a comparison with um the kingdom dome was a a football stadium that they took down and they had 
a lot of data on actually what what happened when it went down. She used that to show a similar kind of situation where something was brought to to the ground is you know is just as big as a tower, and the seismic reaction to this was enormous, but there was nothing, nothing, nothing on Long Island on the twenty first on September eleventh. No seismic activity. Okay, the Twin Towers were destroyed from the top down, not the bottom up. And I'm not exactly sure why she puts this in here. I've not found out exactly what she is referencing here. Eight, the demolishing of WT7 was whisper quiet. And again, the signal, that was Building 7. It came down. I, I just mentioned that to you. It was uh, the same sort of thing. It just went into dust. They got everything out of there within 24 hours that could have tied it to anything. And um, there's no seismic signal there either. Um, upper 80% approximately of each tower was turned to, into fine dust and did not crash to the earth. The upper 90% approximately of the inside of WT7 again was turned into dust and did not crash, cra crash to earth. We talked about the one file uh, cabinet with the, the dividing, fo uh, survived, uh, dividing folders that they survived. No toilets, not even a recognizable portion of one. Windows of nearby buildings had the circular and odd holes in them. In addition to, in addition to the odd window damage, the marble, marble facade was completely missing from around um, building one and building two. These are different buildings in the same area with no other apparent structural damage. Now she talks about fuzzballs and it was this these weird little um, you, you, the bus, the dust was continuing to break down, but you'd have these pockets of this little like dust balls. And none of the pictures that I found were really going to give you guys a feeling for this, but they were just little balls like rolling around like snowball things. Um, Truckloads of dirt I told you about this were hauled in and hauled out of the WTC site, a pattern that continues to this day. Um, I'm not sure that when that when when she wrote that the date I don't know if it's still continuing or not probably not uh, fuming and that was that fuming stuff that just came off of the dirt pile and was around the the whole area initially and then just sort of started to dissip dissipate uh, okay there's also this jeez oh, cat wait a minute hold on I was trying to get down and he's got me hooked all right there you go. It's a little hot outside. I don't want him outside in that heat. Anyway, I'm in Florida, Miami. <laughs> um, the And then there was these fuzzy blobs, a hazy cloud that appeared to be around material being destroyed. Um, okay, so now my electricity is blinking. I hope I don't lose you guys. I've got a UPS. Let's hope it's just a minor thing. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay. Um <laughs> We have Swiss cheese appearance to steel beams and glass. There's evidence of molecular disassoci dis disassociation and transmutation as demonstrated by the near-instant rusting of affected steel. The weird fires, the appearance of fire without evidence of heating. The lack of high heat. Witnesses reported that the initial dust cloud felt cooler than ambient temperatures. No evidence of burned bodies. Columns were curled around a vertical axis like rolled up carpets where overloaded bucket buckled beams should have been bent around a horizontal axis. 
Office paper was densely spread throughout nor- lower Manhattan, unburned, often alongside cars that appeared appeared to be burning. Vertical round holes were cut into buildings 4, 5, and 6 and into Liberty Street in front of the Bankers Trust and into Bessie Street in front of WT6. Uh, Plus a cylindrical arc was cut into Bankers Trust. These were buildings that were in and around the area. The streets, Liberty and uh, Bessie Street, were sort of like the, the two streets that kind of like locked in this portion of the area. Uh, there were approximately 1,400 motor vehicles. Oh, wait a minute, I missed something. All planes except top-secret missions were ordered down until 10.31 a.m., when only military flights were allowed to resume, after both towers were destroyed, and only two minutes, 120 seconds after WTC had been destroyed. So that was kind of a fast reaction, because they didn't react fast to anything that day. Except taking the, making the planes come down. Approximately 1,400 motor vehicles were towed away, toasted in strange ways. That's 1,400. Okay. The order and method of destruction of each tower minimized damage to the bathtub and the adjacent buildings. Now, this was key to the novel 9-11 Crusade because to convince my character, uh, Sid, to participate in putting the demolition system in the buildings was this very fact that the buildings falling over as in 1993 had the build had the bomb that went off been 50 feet from where it was it would have probably broken the bottom of the of the tower and would have caused some kind of really bad thing like maybe the tower could have fallen over if that happened it was much more destructive than if it fell directly into its footprint so you got to say something controlled it going into its footprint. Um, that was the thing that got me going right off the bat was, how the hell did they do that? And as I say, if I was in charge of the building in 1993, I would have put in a fail-safe demolition system because it was a targeted building, and had it fallen, it could have taken out much more than it did. Anyway. Mm-hmm. For, ever, for more than seven years, regions in, the, regions in the ground under where the main body of WTC-4 stood have continued to fume because WTC-4 is one of those buildings that had the guts taken out of it. And nobody talks about the buildings around it that had damage. Well, why? They weren't on fire and they weren't pancaking. Why do they have damage? And again, I think it's because the beam was bouncing around. From, from building to building? Yeah. Yeah, just like a radio signal will. You know how you go, wait a minute, let me see if I can get over here. You move a few feet away and you hear the the cell phone? It's because mm-hmm. the signals are bouncing around. Yeah. Um, okay, even the WTC-7 rubble pile was too small for the total mass of the building and consistent, consisted of a lot of mud. Now that one's never, I've never really researched that. Why was there all sorts of mud in this Building 7? You know, what happened there? Eyewitness testimonies about toasted cars, instant disappearance of people by unexplained waves, and a plane turning into a mid-air fireball. I've never heard about this plane. I don't know what they're talking about with this plane. Another thing to look at. And remember, I've been researching this very subject, this very woman, for a decade. And I still don't know stuff. So, you know, no wonder most people don't know this. It's a terribly difficult and 
Yeah, anyway. Okay. There's just um, too much stuff. There are too many layers. Too much. Of, there's too, too much. much layers of information. Right. There were sounds of explosions. Um, and those could have been the water tower things inside the building that I was talking about. They could have been blowing up. It's not necessarily that the explosions that I pointed to as being indicators of a planned demolition. It's not necessarily that, you know, that was it, but if, I still think there was a demolition system in the building. I told about the Scott packs, the exploding and fire trucks and, you know, fire trucks exploding that were parked near the, the buildings. Flipped cars, we've talked about that. And you got flipped cars and yet you would think to flip a car you would need a lot of some kind of wind force or something of that sort. And yet trees right next to them have their full foliage. How do you explain that? Right. I want to go later on in another show, get into the magno, magno, magno meeting readings that they had all over the world. That changed. I want to talk about Hurricane Aaron because that thing I don't think has been looked at enough. She talks about silly string and the appearance of corkscrew trails. Uh, it's a little bit above me. And then she gets into the Hutchinson and John Hutchinson has done all sorts of experiments and he's, she's got video and photographs of his experiments versus what they found and they find that it's the same, it looks the same, same sort of a uh, phenomena. And uh, he's a Canadian who basically is a mad scientist working in his living room. <laughs> but he, um, the science, he's the one that, that made her, brought her to an understanding of the science. Um, okay, she says, is it possible that such a technology exists, meaning direct energy? Since intervention, invention of the microwave for cooking in 45 and lasers in 55, commercial and military development of direct energy technology has proceeded apace. So use of a direct energy technology is likely to exist, and the data tells us it does. So there you have it. We got four minutes left to the show. Well, Nancy, I mean, uh, so many things have been covered uh, in these two hours. Um, there's just so much information um, that can be covered in detail. It's just very overwhelming. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I'm still, you can see me. I mean, I can't even express myself because it just sounds still so difficult. I mean, to me, it makes sense. It's just such a change from, uh, looking at what happened in one way. And then now the evidence is being provided for us to look at it in a different way. Um, considering that what happened maybe is something much deeper than just, you know, this controlled demolition. Uh, looking at all these, uh, all this evidence, it's very difficult to deny that there definitely is a technology that has been used that is not known to us. Um, and I just want to say, I mean, maybe what I'm going to say sounds simplistic, but microwave energy and um, what was the other one that you said? Um, I don't remember, but let's say microwave direct energy, energy right direct now. Direct energy. Direct energy. Well, let's let's focus on microwave energy. I mean, these things exist. We do have this stuff. It's technology that exists. So, 
if we've had this for so many years, for, for, for decades, then wouldn't we think that the military is, or, or you know, uh, whoever is working on this, uh, on, on this technology to make, to turn it into weaponry, wouldn't it be a little bit naive for us to think that they haven't been using it or they haven't been testing it or Very. trying to understand how it can be used Very nice. as a weapon? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just thinking of that, if a person denies that, then they're definitely in denial. It just doesn't make sense. What makes more sense is that we, because we have this energy and we have the understanding of the technology of it and how it works, it can be amplified and used on a bigger scale. As demonstrated on 9-11. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, it's just shocking. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, wanted... I want you to just tell people again uh, where to find uh, these pictures. Exactly. It's on CosmicReality.com, but it's on the blog section. So if they go to the blog section, the first thing they're going to see is right now uh, Dr. Judy Wood 9-11 Weird Facts, right? Correct. If they just go to the blog section right away. Correct. Um, yeah, because I don't know. I mean, whoever is going to be listening to this is, to this is not going to be seeing the pictures. So it would be a good idea to have uh, that um, page in front of you uh, when listening to uh, you know what Nancy is informing you about it's going to make much more sense and it's going to be more impactful and I apologize again to you Nancy to everyone else I'm sure you're noticing that I'm I'm having trouble speaking I think it's just my exhausted mind I've had two very exhausting weeks and it's just funny how the mind works Um, I really am having difficulty speaking and expressing myself so again I apologize for that um, I usually am quite articulate. I can speak very easily, but I'm finding it very difficult. Um, I just hope I was clear when I was talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah don't worry about Good. it. I mean, because Good. what are you going to say about a lot of this stuff, you know? I mean, anyway, we've got to go because we're at the top of the hour. You be safe. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you Thanks, Wednesday Nancy. on World Talk. And um, Sure. We're going to... Sign off here in just a second as soon as I figure out how. (laughs) Okay. You have been listening to Dimensional Mind Talk with Nora Willow. Produced by Cosmic Reality Radio and simulcasted over Aggie Shack Radio.